Hello again, welcome back to Luxi, a podcast to reignite your wonder by exploring the science behind luxury items. This week we are continuing our deep dive into the sea to talk about coral. So Demos, is there anything you've ever wondered about coral? Well, actually I have a small quiz today. We're on coral. Oh, oh yes, coral. (laughs) (laughs) Can save our small quiz for next time. Okay, all right. In any case... I guess coral, I've wondered, is it really a luxury item? I guess it's a luxury to have it in our oceans, especially with climate change and everything. I mean, we are still on our materials that make up fine jewelry series. So coral is used to make fine jewelry. It it is. It's a very bright red. Wow. Okay. I am fascinated. Yes. So I was wondering if there's a specific type of coral that can be made into jewelry or if it's any type of coral. So we will answer both of our questions. I'm okay. I'm ready. So it's finally sort of feeling like summer here in the Pacific Northwest. It took a bit (laughs) and we got there a little later than everyone else. There was snow in the mountains just last month and but says summer like the beach, right? Yes, I love the beach. So I distinctly remember going to the beach as a kid and wandering around the tidal pools looking at all the sea life. My mom was actually trained as a scientist and that included some courses in marine biology, so she was a wealth of information about what we found in those tidal pools. I really think those shore excursions helped to spark my curiosity and wonder and led me down the path of becoming a scientist. So do you you have any experiences with coral? No, I think just like that one time we went on our little sort of dive there are snorkeling in hawaii oh yeah i think that was the only time i really got to experience coral firsthand cool so corals are alive they're marine invertebrates invertebrate meaning they don't have any spinal cords in the class anthozoa phylum cnidaria so for those of you who like me last had biological classification at some point in school Biological taxonomy goes by category. The categories go from most general to most specific, and they are domain, kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species. Genus and species is what most scientists use when identifying organisms. For example, Homo sapiens. Genus is Homo, sapiens is the species. If you're a gardener or bird watcher, then you would be used to the so-called scientific name of an organism, which is the genus and the species. So we are talking about corals, which are in the phylum Cnidaria, which also includes jellyfish and sea anemones. Coral groups are called colonies and usually consist of genetically identical polyps. Each polyp is a sac-like animal with a set of tentacles around a central mouth. Each polyp excretes an exoskeleton, and they can breed either by sexual or asexual replication. So they can essentially just divide themselves. I think I remember going to the aquarium and learning that coral spit out a bubble of uh, almost like a cloud yes. of sperm Burn and whatever. And eggs. And, and eggs. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't I didn't have a chance to really do a deep dive into what drives a an asexual versus a sexual repertoire reproduction phase in the animals. But jellyfish are kind of the same way. It was funny though that it happens at full moons. Yeah. Like it's it's somehow synchronized to the full moon. So many corals rely on photosynthetic diaflagenates or unicellular organisms for their nutrients. These are if you referred to as zooxanthellae, which is a actually remarkably difficult word to say even for me. Zooxanthellae. But yeah. think about it. Anthile, anthos in Greek means flower. Well, there you go. So 
animal flower. Zooxanthellae. Mm -hmm. And are responsible for the coral's color. This means that these corals are found in shallow water where the sunlight can penetrate to allow for photosynthesis. So these zooxanthellae are mostly the genus Symbodium and are unicellular dioflagellates that live in symbiosis with corals, jellyfish, and demosponges. So do you remember the definition of symbiosis? Did you just say demo sponges? I did. That sounds like my name, Demos. Maybe it's, maybe it's people sponges. People sponges. Cool. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> Symbiosis. Oh, yes. That's where two things can live together, like Alexis and Debos. <laughs> well, except that in symbiosis, is typically there's an advantage to both individuals. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which I Not guess is us. Not just an advantage to me. <laughs> uh, so their photosynthesis provides their hosts with organic carbon compounds and they receive nutrients and access to sunlight in return. So a little fun fact, it was a French man named Jean-André Pessonel who first identified corals as animals in 1726 based on studies in the Mediterranean. So Lots why, are th with so many different species of coral, which one is used for jewelry? And if you haven't seen coral jewelry, it's usually a very distinctive shade of red. And this is from the genus Corellium. These are very durable corals with hard exoskeletons in red and orange-pink colors. Unlike species that grow in shallow water, these corals grow in dark environments including deep seas and caverns between 10 and 300 meters deep. They are mainly found in the Mediterranean and also in the Pacific near Japan and Taiwan. The corals can grow to be up to 1.5 meters in height and have the shape of leafless bushes. They are slow-growing and long-living species. They can reach 40 to 50 centimeters in about 200 years. About a foot and a half every 200 years. Wow. Yeah. As with other coral species, this skeleton is made out of calcium carbonate, and the red color comes from carotenoids, which are, we're familiar with, with blueberries and carrots and things that have deep colors. So eat your carotenoids But don't healthy. eat the coral. The red skeleton is matte but can be shined into a glossy finish and ranges in color from pale pink to deep red. It's a 3.5 on the more hardness scale, which is quite soft, and so it's cut into cabochons, which are those rounded domes cuts, oh, cool. or made into beads. These corals have been harvested since antiquity with ancient Egyptian and prehistoric European burials containing coral jewelry. There was a thriving coral trade from the Mediterranean to India in the first millennium. It was used previously by the Gauls for ornamentation on weapons and helmets, and once the trade east geared up, it was rarely used by the regions that produced it. And to this day, it is an endangered species in the Mediterranean region. So there's an interesting Greek mythology story about the origin of coral. Perseus got the head of Medusa to save Andromeda from the sea monster. After defeating the sea monster, he put the head on the sand to wash his hands. And when he was done, he saw that Medusa's blood had turned the seaweed into red coral. So one of the Greek words for coral is gorgeia, because Medusa was one of the three gorgons in Greek mythology. Gorgia. Gorgia. So a side note, we focus on Greek etiology on this podcast. Which is a Greek word, too. Quite a bit, because demos is Greek. <laughs> and <laughs> why we acknowledge that there are so many other cultures and their, and their usages of these materials to explore, such as that in the Yoruba and Bini people of West Africa, coral is a mark of high social rank. And in Islam, red coral is one of the gems of paradise. Yes, so why we have a Greek focus on this podcast, there are obviously a lot of other cultures that well, use these stones. All words come from Greek, eventually. Kind of, sort of. Not necessarily. You've had some lovely Sanskrit words, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those Sanskrits. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, we're just going to move to the science before we say anything else. Heavy lift. Yes. Expensive. So, 
I'm doing the heavy lift on the science for this episode since there was not a lot in the industrial sciences around coral, probably because it's relatively soft. Yeah, not a lot of material science uses for this stuff. So the first interesting scientific question about precious corals for me was how they survive in the deep water. Tropical corals have a symbiotic organism that uses photosynthesis to produce nutrients for itself and the coral. Deep sea corals can't rely on that method since there's not enough sun that penetrates down that deep. In 2015, Jack Middleberg et al. published research in scientific reports on how deep water corals survive. They fed the corals radio-labeled nitrogen and carbon to follow their metabolic pathways. They found that cold water corals feed on a wide range of organic resources, including algae, bacteria, zooplankton, phytodetritus, etc. That Cor- means plant garbage. Is de- phytodetritus. Is detritus really Greek for garbage? <laughs> yes. Are you serious? Detritus. Detrius. Hmm. Phytodetrius. Okay. However, the coral had high levels of ammonium excretion, meaning that they must have ways to keep some nitrogen resources. They found a complete nitrogen cycle in the cold water reefs that is similar to the one postulated for tropical reefs. So without going into an entire lecture on biochemistry, nitrogen cycles is where nitrogen is converted into multiple chemical forms as it circulates through the atmosphere, terrestrial, and marine ecosystems. And it includes processes such as nitrogen fixation, where nitrogen in the air is converted to other forms in soil and water, mostly ammonium, and nitrification, which is a conversion of that ammonium to nitrate. And it's important in the sea because nitrogen is the limiting nutrient in the ocean, and nitrite is the primary form of nitrogen responsible for new nitrogen production. For carbon, they found chemoautotrophy to be a key method of carbon acquisition. So chemoautotrophy is when organisms derive energy from chemical reaction and synthesize all necessary organic compounds. So humans don't do this, obviously. Looking up detrius on etiology.com. Okay, what's the etiology of... It's Greek, but also used in Latin and Sanskrit. So we got all the the three important ones in there. There's even tornus for turning lathe or grind or wear. Latin, terere, Greek, terein, to rub or rub away. And Sanskrit, tura, or wounded and hurt. I wonder how it got turned into garbage. Well, it's not detritus, it's deterious. So that means it's more, it's not that it's been phyto-garbage, but phyto-rubbed or phyto-eroded. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, so back to chemoautotrophy <laughs> results. You can take that out if you need. <laughs> no, it's okay. So these results of this paper found that a symbiotic bacteria that is a chemoautotroph is probably present in the coral that contributes to this carbon cycle there. Deep water or cold cold water corals have adapted some interesting strategies for ensuring that they can get the nutrients they need without having to rely on photosynthesis. And I have to admit, I've always found this super interesting. Like the bacteria that can eat nitrogen or eat oil spills or... Oh yeah, that's going to be helpful for cleaning up the environment. Yeah, just, you know, we have this very limited view of what can sustain life, you know, based on being humans. But to me, it's really interesting to see how all these other organisms have adapted to make their essential nutrients in different ways yeah we're gonna probably end up finding there's plenty of bizarre bacteria living on venus oh yeah on mars so one of the cool aspects of coral is the calcium carbonate exoskeleton that's created and is the foundation of the reefs that coral make and the jewelry that comes from it and the exoskeleton is produced by a process called biomineralization and that is a process by which living organisms produce minerals often to stiffen or harden tissues. So what do you think an equivalent process would be for humans? Bones. Yeah, bone growth is biomineralization. Mm-hmm. 
The most common biominerals are phosphate and carbonate salts of calcium, and they're highly controlled that they build sophisticated structures along with organic polymers such as collagen or chitin, like how we have tendons and things around. Or nails or hair. No, it's keratin. That's different. Uh. <laughs> A research group led by uh, Natalie Leroy performed high-resolution mass spectrometry and transcriptome analysis, which is looking at all the proteins an organism produces, to see the different types of biomineralization in different coral species. They found that they could identify where species had diverged in their evolutionary chain based on their types of biomineralization. The red corals had a biomineral that contained a high amount of magnesium and suggested that the ability to produce biominerals was independently acquired in these types of corals. I think it's always kind of cool how you can take a genetic, or in this case it's a proteomic, a protein signature, and construct evolutionary tree out of it. So, wait a minute. What they're doing is, is they're just looking at the different minerals that are formed, or the different elements, and that's how they've... Um, forked in their evolutionary tree yeah so you go back to like you know common ancestor made the calcium carbonates and then at some point this particular species decided that it was going to have magnesium in its version of it that's very interesting yeah so there's that much magnesium in the ocean i guess you're right you know they also say there's a ton of uranium in the ocean yes you know there's actual i don't oh you weren't my co-host at the time Mm. but there is quite a bit of gold in the ocean. Oh yeah, that's right. That yeah. was one of the fun facts from the episode on gold. Yeah. 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 So now to the not so fun part. Acidification of the oceans makes it harder for corals to survive. Serrano et al. investigated the potential impact of increased CO2 levels in the Mediterranean in their 2013 paper in Scientific Reports. So acidification of the oceans comes about when there's too much dissolved um, CO2 in the yes. oceans. And it changes the pH of the ocean. The team harvested corals from around 45 sites near an Italian seacoast. P.S. I want to be on that lab expedition. Mm-hmm. They were acclimated in the lab and then exposed to different levels of CO2. With increased ocean acidification, they saw decreased polyp growth activity and biocalcification and reduced feeding efficiencies of the corals. Biocalcification, as with most biological processes, happens within a certain pH window. It's why the pH in your body is so heavily regulated. P.S. Alkaline water does nothing to change that. Oh, yeah. It probably, yeah. It's not changing the pH of your body. It's just, it's in your gut. And then... And your gut is super acidic, so it's not yeah, even, so even going to change that. The more acidic an ocean is, the harder it is for the corals to actually make that exoskeleton. Oh, wow. But additionally, so this study also showed that it reduced their feeding efficiencies and it decreased their polyp growth, too. So it's not just the skeleton that gets impacted. Mm, this poor coral. I know. But that's not the only threat to these corals. They've been over-extracted for many, many years for use in jewelry and other decorative uses. They are currently, there are currently trade regulations and management plans in place to help overcome this, and there are regulations that require species-specific and country-of-origin verification. However, with the price of a coral ne- necklace upwards of $20,000, there are bound to be poachers and those who, also those who peddle fakes. Bertrand Lendvay et al. developed a genetic test to forensically verify coral identity. In their 2022 paper published in Forensic Science International Genetics, they described their test, called the Coral ID Assay, and it's able to assign a coral specimen into one of six taxonomic categories. The method is minimally destructive, 
but is limited if there's any decay in the DNA. So they don't go down to specific genus and species. It's basically a way to say this coral comes from some an endangered species and shouldn't be traded versus this coral is okay. So this is a way of saying that the coral have a stamp of approval because you're not picking a specific, very much endangered version right. of it. Yeah, so the EU especially has put a lot of trade regulations on the coral, and you have to verify where it comes from and what species it is uh, and what country it came from. So this is a way to help do that. I think it's good also just to know a little bit about the story of the coral if you're buying it as jewelry. Well, you know, I, I was just going to say, we have been talking about a lot of rare minerals and gems in the past few episodes, but this is one, one where I'm going to say, just don't buy the jewelry. Don't buy the coral jewelry. Don't buy the... The ecological impacts are just too great, and for me, I don't think it's worth it. You're probably still just better off buying pearls, which are not endangered. No. The impacts on the coral, you know, obviously is not just from coral harvesting. A lot of it is from climate change and things, but this is something really uh, definitive that you can do. Like, don't. Don't buy it. I know it looks pretty, but... So are you ready for our glossary? Absolutely. Okay, so your definition of symbiosis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the interaction of two different organisms living in close physical contact. (laughs) Typically to the advantage of both. Hopefully. Well, because there's other definitions. Like a parasitic relationship is two animals living in close proximity, but one does not benefit. Although I I would say that not many people appreciated me calling our, our son a parasite when I was pregnant, even though biologically speaking that was true yeah i would think yeah while you're pregnant but that's that's a, a brief when taken in the whole i think it's i mean it all from, averages coming out. from a parasitologist i thought it was funny but almost nobody else did only other parasitologists i'm sure thought it was hilarious um nitrogen cycle is uh where nitrogen is converted into multiple chemical forms as it circulates through atmosphere ocean ground ecosystems mm-hmm. how about chemo autotrophy hey um i guess that's uh, autotrophy is greek for self-feeding yeah so i guess just feeding yourself your own chemicals yeah mostly organic compounds biomineralization bone growth and other things yeah you can take uh yeah like calcium and turn it into something useful so what about our cocktail party facts if i were to come up with this beautiful coral necklace what would you say to me besides you just harmed a whole lot of coral just for something to wear (laughs) oh well you know i'd be like hey did you know that the biomineralization of your coral is like how bones are created in the human body that's a good one i had did you know there's a french man named jean-andre pesanel who first identified corals as animals in 1726 Hmm. Um, how about what species of coral is used for jewelry I'm looking at the answer here, otherwise I wouldn't know, but corellium. Yes. <laughs> and where does that classic red color come from? Well, I think you said beets and carrots and, and other good blueberries. Carotenoids. Carotenoids. Yeah, the coral don't actually eat carrots and beets. They <laughs> just have some of the same compounds. Well, my luxurious friends, you've spent another 20 minutes learning the cool science behind something beautiful. We hope you remember a fun cocktail party fact about these amazing creatures the next time you see coral, and you, we really hope you don't buy any coral jewelry. A very special thank you to my co-host and audio engineer, Demos. Our theme music is Harlequin Moon by Birdie. If you like us, please, please, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us all over social media at LuxiPod. Our website is luxi.podcastpage.io. 
and you will now find us on YouTube as well. You know, I was thinking the best way to enjoy coral is don't treat it like jewelry around your neck, but jewelry around your neck of the woods. So go and get a snorkel <laughs> expedition and go down and enjoy coral yep. as it is in its beautiful, natural environment. And leave it there. Well, you know, look, some people like to show off their, their jewelry and maybe there's some antique coral yeah. that they received as, yeah. you know, part of a dowry. <laughs> okay, whoa. <laughs> All right, we're going to leave you with our call to action, and that's to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Bye-bye. <laughs>